0: Hi, this is Charlie Peck for the Thriving Educator Podcast. And we have Charles Williams today. Now, Charles, I'm so glad you're here. We're going to talk about mental health for school leaders. We don't often talk about that. So welcome. I'm glad you're here.
1: Thank you for having me, Charlie. This is a great way to kick off my year. Um, I know sometimes when we're doing these podcasts, we're like, don't, don't date it. But for me, this is my first connection with one of my edu- uh, like, edu- crew members, and so thank you for starting off this year on a positive note.
0: Yeah. I mean, 2024 is exciting. And because I looked back at what you did in 2023, you've done a lot of great work and you're at a lot of conferences. And if if anybody listening, listen, if you need help with leadership, but equitable leadership, um, I loved the, your topic on male toxic, positive. What did you call it? it? You called it on uh, toxic Yeah, Mental,
1: right? Like toxic masculinity. Yeah. That was... a. Uh... That was an interesting one, and it was taken very well.
0: Good, because it is something we need to talk about. I mean, why don't people talk enough about this stuff? Why do you think people avoid conversations like that?
1: So, you know, the thing that I've been talking more and more about is that we live in a cancel culture, right? Mm -hmm. And everyone is terrified to say or do the wrong thing because they're so afraid, like, I'm going to get canceled. right? And so it's it's nice to play safe because if I play safe, I stay relevant. If, If I'm relevant, I'm still around. I'm still doing the work. My my argument and my pushback on that always is that that's also where nothing gets done, right? There's a reason why we're continuing to have the same exact conversations year after year after year after year, and that's because people like to play it safe. Hence, one of the reasons I've when I've started doing my speeches and my my workshops and keynotes, I've I've termed it my sugar-free speech, right? I'm I'm, I'm taking all the coating off. I'm not going to make it you know comfortable for everyone because if we're comfortable, that means we're not changing. And if we're not changing, we're never going to make the progress that we need to make. And so we just need to have these really difficult conversations, right? I heard recently a a statement that said temporary discomfort is worth long term, right? Like changes and where we need to go, like sit in that temporary discomfort. Yes, it's not going to be comfortable. Yes, it might be painful. Yes, it might be scary and challenging, but the payoff is going to be well worth it.
0: Well, and you see it all the time. I mean, you're an administrator of a school right now, like you're in it right now. And I know you have a ton of experience with that. You wrote a book, like you really do cover this stuff a lot in depth. And what's interesting is when we're working at a school level, and we're thinking about being so cautious, what have we done to an entire generation of kids and even staff adults who are like young adults entering the workforce? Like we've taught people to avoid so much discomfort that they don't know how to sit with it. So are you Hmm. noticing that? How did did that show up in schools in the way that you've observed?
1: Yeah. So one of the things that we're talking about, right, and it comes to cell phones, Right. And I know this cell phone conversation is huge in schools and you have people on all different sides. But one of the things that we've recognized is that that cell phone is becoming a place of comfort for students. Right. So we know that struggle is a natural part of the learning process, that you will hit those struggles, that you have to push through those struggles. That It's a natural, normal part. Now, I don't know about you, but at least back when I was in school, we didn't have cell phones, right? <laughs> like, we, I couldn't just pick that up and have a distraction there to take me, to give me some immediate comfort for when I was struggling with, you know, writing a paper or those mathematic problems or that, that complex science material, whatever it may be. But today, students are able to just pick that up and boom, I, I had that immediate gratification and satisfaction and escape away. Right. And so what we're starting to see is that I don't know how to sit through that discomfort. I don't have the, the, the stamina, right, to push through because and, and I've told my staff this and school leaders, if you're watching this, I want you to consider this because I'm not one to say not to, to shy away from saying I'm sorry to my staff. But I was having this conversation. I said, you know what? I wonder how much of this comes back to us as administrators, because I often heard when I was a teacher that when my students were not engaged, it was my fault that my lessons were not exciting enough, that I wasn't doing enough, I wasn't fun enough in the classroom. And as a school reader, I took that same message and I started delivering it to my staff. But the reality is I think sometimes in that our our, our pursuit of creating these fun, exciting, exciting you know, cl- spaces, the, the meaning of the lesson is getting lost. And so when students are moving from grade to grade to grade, you know, and you ask them about these skills that they've learned. And they're like, Oh, I knew I, I found out how to do a PowerPoint or a Prezi, or I can create a brochure, or I can create this magic board. And like, that's great. But do you know, the, the you know, the pieces of an argumentative essay? Do you know the scientific process, right? Those integral pieces, those things that we're actually teaching are getting lost, in all of the fun and the hoopla, right? And so it's mm-hmm. like, I, I think those are the things that we're. I'm, I'm starting to worry about is that you know we're talking about that stamina piece, that 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 comfort piece, is that students are saying, hey, you know what, I'm going to back out, I'm going to jump out of my cell phones, I'm going to get someplace comfortable, and teachers are amping up because we as school leaders are telling them your class isn't exciting enough, and I will tell you this, teachers, your class will never beat a cell phone, so stop trying, right? <laughs> like, yeah, and so yeah. we we create these fun, exciting activities where so often, not all the times, but so often. The learning is being lost. And so what do you have, as you mentioned earlier, Charlie, that these kids are moving along, 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 and there's nothing, no real learning being transferred along that way, right? But because we're operating in school systems that don't want to look like they're failing, we're not going to allow that to happen because our numbers need to look great, right? And so we pass them on through and then we hope for the best. And that we are doing a huge disservice to our students, but Nobody likes to have this conversation going back to what we started off with, right? Because nobody wants to admit that we're doing disservices, but I will, I will say it because I want to make this change. So
0: we have to, we have to call out yes. what's there and we're not going to make any change otherwise. I'm, I'm glad that you're, you're willing to do that and courageous enough to do that. So let's do that here. Let's do it here. Yeah. What? Yeah. And as a leader. Now, what kind of onus do you have? What what do you take on yourself when those teachers aren't making those classrooms engaging enough? What do you take on as a leader?
1: So oftentimes at the beginning of the year, I I give my staff five permissions. And I always say, like, one of my big things is, like, don't wait for permission. But I think we are naturally, you know, inclined to want permission for things. So at the beginning of every single year, I give out five permissions right away. I say, I know I tell you not to ask for permission or wait because I know you are here are the five, right? And so the the first one is to to, to go and learn and grow. I want staff members to learn and grow. I am never one, even though you see me at conferences all the time because I love being in those spaces, I'm never one to just push staff into those spaces because it's gonna be wasted time, money, resources. I'd rather someone go who wants to go, who will take that information back and actually utilize it. So step one is I encourage you to learn and grow. But step two of that is then come back and experiment, right? Try something new, get innovative, try something different. And step three, there was all three go together or the third permission is I give you permission to fail. You might come back and it may not work and that is okay, right? As long as we're moving our students forward, as long as we're not hurting our students in the process, right? And I think it's in that space. Space right there coming back to maybe a teacher's lesson isn't very exciting. But I have to own up and tell a teacher, you know what, sometimes that's the world we live in. It's not exciting. It's not all fireworks, as one of my staff members says. And you know what, I'm going to support you in that. I'm going to sit in, I will observe, I'll give you some feedback, because it's not an I gotcha, you. Ha ha. It's a, I've got you. Because if you're successful, then I'm successful. I cannot be successful as a school leader, if you're not successful. And so this is not about I I'm going to be honest, I hate teacher evaluation systems. I think Mm -hmm. they're completely messed up and they need to be revamped. And so I kind of do my own thing. I hope my district isn't watching this one. But like, (laughs) I'm there about, I want to support you, right? The The same, I guess, approach that we take with our students and saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to do these formative assessments and I'm going to give you feedback so you learn and grow. I do the same exact thing with my staff because I want them getting constant feedback so that they can continue to learn and grow. And in that same vein, right? Sometimes it's not about saying, oh, well, you should do this better. Sometimes it's supporting and saying, you know what? You're right. That part of the lesson may not be very exciting. You're laying that foundation, you're getting that work in, but you know, we get over that hump into something that's a little more thrilling, right? And so what systems and structures do we have in space then to support that teacher? And that's one of the things that we're working on right now is looking at our cell phone policy, right? Because it's very, very hard to teach those foundational pieces if my student is sitting there in their phone, right, disengaged. And then when they're ready, trying to jump back in and saying, okay, now I'm ready to learn. Well, I'm all about individualized learning plans, but I cannot keep teaching a lesson over and over whenever a student is ready to engage, right? And so as I, as a school leader, then have to create what are the systems and structures that are in place to support that teacher so that way the students can be engaged? How can we create a space where they're not distracted by all of the other things so they can get through the boring, kind of that mundane stuff so they can get to the exciting stuff?
0: Yeah. Well, there's a lot of ways we can go here because we want to shake the system a little bit. We could talk about cell phone use and what you think about that and, and challenging that or, I mean, part of, part of what I want to get from you is you're putting a lot of stock in your own mental health and wellness around your teachers and around how you engage with your teachers and the messages you give to them. So I want to pull you back to that because as leaders, it's kind of like parents, isn't it? We, we kind of look at how our kids are doing to uh, give ourselves a pulse of how we're doing. And and I wanna challenge that with you. So what do you think? Do you, do you think that your mental health and wellness as a leader depends on how well your teachers are doing or your staff?
1: You, you know, I think it goes both ways, right? It, it flows in both directions. Obviously, if the, the culture and the climate within the building, if that's not doing very well, right? Personally, right, I know there are some school leaders who are like, meh, whatever, right? But me, like I'm invested. And so it definitely takes a toll on myself. And so I've seen that when I started to become drained, right, then the teachers are like, oh, are you okay? The students are like, are you okay, right? And it, it, if you're not careful, you hit, you start to hit this downward cycle, right? And it's very, very, very hard to get those things back up and running again. And so I think it's very important that we as school leaders not only preach those things to our staff to take care of themselves, so that the students can take care of themselves, but that we also do it ourselves. And not just talk about it, but demonstrate that. So recently, this year, in fact, um, I remember one of my teachers coming to me and saying, hey, can I schedule some time with you? And I said, you know what, I would love to talk to you, but we've created these kind of buckets. You, as the science department, you're under this individual. So I'm going to, you know, defer you over to this person right now. And they kind of looked at me, And I said, this isn't about you, right? But this is more about me. Because if I say yes to you, because that's what I wanna do, I wanna say yes to everyone, Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna be good for anyone. So I'm gonna, right? And now if things don't work out there, then I'm still available, but that's gonna be step one. And I've started having those conversations more and more often to say, hey, these are these lanes that we've created, these buckets that we've created, and I have to keep myself out of that space so that way I can be fully present in the spaces that I'm dedicated to. Right, And it's it's really helped to allow me to be more, uh, I guess, present, right? And so what's nice then is it's also telling other people in your spaces, like, I believe in you and I trust in you that you have, it's that distributive leadership, right? And then you start to see those things grow. I think so often that we as school leaders, we're tired and we're burnt out because we don't believe in those things. We don't practice, the, like we're trying to take care of everything. And school leaders, like you cannot, you are not meant to, and you cannot take care of everything. Rely on the teams, rely on the systems and structures that you have in your space. And if you don't have those systems and structures, I know this amazing guy who knows how to build them. So if you need some support, (laughs) but anyway. (laughs) Everybody, Charles does
0: workshops around this. And by the way, you wrote a book about it. Is there anything else you want to share about that, about the book or about the upcoming projects?
1: Mm, nice teaser. Uh, So uh, the book is a little over two years old inside the principal's office. It was based off of a web series that we had, it's no longer running. uh, But it's it's a 40 week guide. So it could be read all at once, or it could be read, you know, week by week by week. And it's anecdotes, stories and lessons that we've learned along the way within our journey of leadership. Um, I almost have 20 years in the space now. Um, And then reflection questions right? So it's great as a new leader. It's great as a seasoned veteran who says, hey, you know, sometimes I just got to reflect and go back because there's nothing ever wrong with reflecting on the work that we're doing. Uh, So that's available, you know, on Amazon or through me. And I have another one that is coming out soon, hopefully. Uh, At the end of the year, I was, I know I've pushed this out on social media. I was asking people to hold me accountable. I sent some manuscript off to uh, DBC, Dave Burgess Consulting, uh, for a new book called Leaderships. Now, I would sit in Uh, interviews all the time and people would ask like what's your leadership style and I'm like I don't have one and it depends on the situation like what are you talking do you know what leadership is (laughs) right and so I created this book this idea of different leader ships right it's the whole pirate thing um and so how you could utilize this armada of ships right to to address various scenarios that you're in and so it goes through each of these different ships uh my own stories, some takeaways, some ways on how you can get better at that, and then looking at actual scenarios on how we're not just leaning into one, but how we might use different approaches depending on who you are in the situation that you find yourself.
0: It's a big deal that you talk about that because when you're talking about leadership and relying so much on your staff, first of all, you have to trust staff that they will handle it the way that, um, leads into the school climate that you want, but also then that teacher probably feels like, oh good, I don't have to go to the principal because you're probably really hard to find sometimes. You're not always available. You're busy. So it's nice for them to build that community within their own department. And I think that is great leadership when you can rely on that rather than micromanaging everybody and everything. That's a whole nother topic. So (laughs) how else are you challenging leaders that you work with when you're trying to create this culture that is protecting their own mental health and wellness while they're running a school?
1: You know, so um, me and one of my colleagues, uh, the the great Charles Anderson, uh, we have a PLC right now. Um, And so it's a semester long PLC. So we just wrapped up the first semester. Uh, And this is for Chicago uh, CPS school leaders all across the district. And so what we're doing is it's called, is your check engine light on, right? And how often do you get in that car and that, that engine light comes on or one of the dashboard warning lights and you're like, ah, I'll be fine. I've got <laughs> enough gas to go. Like, like, no, there's a reason that warning light is on. And so what we've done is we've taken that metaphor and, and applied it to our own lives, right? And so we're looking at these different dashboard warning lights and saying like, hey, you know what, that that low tire pressure, Like, are you running out of steam, right? Do you need a a, a fill-up, right? And so asking yourself to recognize those things, because so often we talk about burnout after it's happened. Mm -hmm. And then we try to do things like, let's take a mental health day. Guess what? A mental health day does not protect you from burnout. It doesn't, because burnout has already happened. And taking one day off and then coming back to a mountain of work from the stuff that you missed is counterproductive. Right. And so instead of and this is, again, my talk about systems and structures, instead of keeping instead of us continuing to treat these these symptoms, why are we not addressing the roots? Right. Why are we not getting to the the, the source of these problems? And so part of that is being proactive. Don't allow yourself to get to that space of burnout to begin with. And a lot of times that's because we ignore ourselves, we sacrifice ourselves, right? Service leadership, servant leadership, isn't sacrificial leadership. Do not sacrifice yourself, Mm -hmm. right? Do not do that, right? You have to be the best for yourself. So- How can we be proactive? How can we recognize these things? And then how can we address them before it gets there? And sometimes that does mean putting a pause. Sometimes that does mean walking away. Sometimes that means saying, hey, you know what? I know I wanted that thing to happen and it's not going to happen and I have to be okay with it. But these are all things that we as leaders have been told that if you do those things, then you are a failure as a leader. And I want to push back and I want to challenge and say, no, it just means that you are going to be a better leader because you're not going to be burnt out five, six, seven years from now. And the truth is, Charlie, and, and I saw this this past year, when that happens, right, this toxic stress, it's not just a stress thing, right? It's not just this kind of theoretical. It has physical implications on your body, on your health and your well-being. And when you can no longer function, right, because you are stressed out, you are burnt out, whether you are sick or God forbid, and we had a school leader who, who dropped dead of a heart attack at a young age this past mm-hmm.
0: year. Oh goodness.
1: You will be replaced. That, that system keeps moving. That's it keeps turning. And so we have to recognize that, that role that we play in that do not sacrifice yourself. Please, please do not sacrifice yourself.
0: So how come when you get that message that you have to do everything in order to be such a good leader, like, where is that coming from? Is that coming from the superintendent? Is that coming from the district? Like central office pressure, the government—like, where's that coming from, and how do you challenge that when you don't agree with what they're asking you to do?
1: So I, I think a lot of times it's it's this holistic concept, right? Like, I don't think it's coming from a singular place. When we talk about leadership, we oftentimes envision that that superhero, right? We we envision the the great leaders, and what's interesting, and I was listening to a podcast the other day. It's like we see all the, the, the peaks. Right, but we never see the summit. Right, we we never see the climb. We mm-hmm. never see the struggles. We never we just see the end result, and it's like, oh, look at how amazing they are. And and oftentimes in those conversations, they talk about you know the the long hours and the late nights and the stress, and we we glorify it because we think that's what's needed to get there, right. And so this has become, I think, collectively culturally uh, ingrained into the concept of leadership, right. And so I think what has to start happening. And it's interesting because again, I was talking about, you know, uh, Charles Anderson earlier, he was the first one who's helped me to start breaking that because I remember when like the superintendent would be like, Hey, we need you all to do something. He was like, I'm not going to be able to do that. And I was like,
0: nice. You can't, you can't
1: say that. <laughs> like, when <would> you, <laughs> but, but he here's did. the thing, right? He did. And he, he's still working. Right. But two, <laughs> the, the, it would be a lot better to say, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to be able to meet that objective or I'm not going to be able to fulfill whatever request that you're having because now there's no surprise later on, because guess what? If, if I can't do it, I can't do it. And so when it's due in a week and it's not done in a week, right? And now it's just, okay, well I'm delaying it or I'm building and I'm doing all these things. You know what? I told you a week ago that I wasn't going to be able to do that. Right. Or if that's what you want me to do, then what are we going to do in order for that to happen? What are you taking off my plate? What are we gonna pause? What are we going to delay? What are we, right? But having that conversation, and I think the more we have that conversation, the more we normalize it, and then we start to shift that. But I, I and I get it, right? I, it's this space of we think that we need to be everything to everyone at all times. And it is absolutely not true. And it's only, and I say this, I'm sp- sitting here like, yeah, this is my, I'm a guru in this, but it's only within the last maybe year or two that I've started really getting comfortable in that. You know, the idea that I don't take my work home from work anymore. When I walk out Monday through Thursday, cause I, I take my computer home on Fridays just in case. But when I walk out of that door Monday through Thursday, my bag stays in my office, my computer stays in my, because you know what? It will be there when I come back. Charlie, I spent years climbing this ladder right sacrificing as I mentioned earlier and my youngest daughter is now 20. Mm. Like I missed so much of those pivotal years that I will never ever get back and so the only thing that I can do now is to say you know what no that time is sacred that time is saved last week for Christmas week I was like you know what I'm not working Period. I I I didn't do any of this work. No, the consulting work. I did no podcast. I didn't. I did nothing. I told my family, "This is your time." And guess what? The world didn't end.
0: Mm -hmm. I still have
1: my job. Like, yeah. So my 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 tip to school leaders is give it a shot. Start small, but you'll start to see. You know what? Things are okay, and then you start growing it up. Right? Obviously, don't go to where you're like, "Hey, you know, I don't work on Mondays anymore." Like, don't go too far.
0: That would not work out very well. So what, okay, what do we need to do for the future of education? What do we need to remove or what do we need to adjust in order to protect our staff? I mean, like you said, we've got to give permissions to do that and maybe baby steps. And you talked about taking things off of your plate. What is it that we need to take off of people's plate in education that will still have us functioning well and moving towards innovation and everybody protecting their mental health and wellness?
1: Yeah. So I, I think there's a lot of things and I, there's this people are saying like 2024, the year of more. And when I first heard that, I was like, no, no, Gosh, no. no, like I, I'm yeah. like, we, we need to step back. Right. And, and I think one of the things that you mentioned was time. And so one of the things as a school leader, I'm always asking myself, how can I give my staff more time? Right. I don't know what you need that time for. Everybody needs it for different things. And so I don't want to be the person to say, I'm going to take this one thing off your plate or I'm going to like, I'm going to give you the gift of time, right? And and however that looks like. So I think one of the things that we have to ask ourselves is, are the things that we're doing, are they necessary, right? And, And just pausing and asking that question. So often that is what I was asking, you know, this past year when we're like, hey, are we doing such and such? I was like, I don't know. Are we like, do we have to? Like, how have we used, does it produce data? Does it give us anything that we actually need? Like, is the district mandating it?
0: Right.
1: Then why are we doing it, right? And there have been things that we've cut out and staff are like, but we've always done this. Well, right. let's see what happens if we don't. Let's just see, right? And if, if things start to fall apart, I promise you we'll get it back in, we'll rebuild, we'll be okay. And it's like, we, we, we've we done away with them because I think so often especially right and, and i think this is a as a result of the pandemic we were so afraid of this learning loss right that we started just to add what else can we do how can we amplify how can we accelerate how can we do more 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 extended school days extended school years extended program like just so much stuff
0: mm-hmm. and it's
1: you know when we look around and it's like well like right now we have this um Uh, like a programming, right? Um, Extracurricular programming. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes they're just like, well, you don't have enough programming. I'm just like, well, first of all, we we don't have the staff, right? Because staff at the end of the day, guess what? Staff want to go home. They're tired. They don't want to stay after. And I'm not going to make them stay after. My students are tired. They're at the building at seven in the morning. That's really, Right? They leave leaving. at like 3.30. Yeah. They don't want to sit inside the school necessarily for another hour or two. right? If they do, they'll stick around, but it's maybe not consistent. Like, I think we've created these spaces and these things like what we envision. And I'll be honest, most of the time they're coming from people who are not sitting in schools, so they have no idea how it actually operates. And they're like, this would be great. right? It'd be great if you had 20 programs running in your school. Well, I guess, right? But if I don't have People that want to do 20 programs, why do I have to have 20? Why not the two that are actually full and running and like, it's okay. Right. But that's, I think that's that space is like saying, Hey, it's okay to scale back. It's okay to take things off. It's okay to go home. Like it's okay. And so that's the thing that I try to give my staff all the time is how can I give you more time? What is it that I can do to give you more time?
0: Yeah. Well, school emulates what's going on in society. So if we think of families and we think of how parents are with kids and overscheduling kids and how that's worked out, I mean, that's, it, it's okay for some kids who really thrive off of being busy and involved in all of that, but boy, it's very taxing on the family, financially, energy, time away from the family. And let's think of our cultural shift we've had with you know women not being able to be home with kids. And we all know that. A lot of women actually do work with our kids more at home. Dads are definitely involved too um, and there's a lot of sharing. but there's a I don't know, I actually don't know what the difference is, but I know that I hear these conversations among moms, moms a lot. and the problem is is we keep adding to our plate. So if we want if we want to do well in our jobs or we want to go to school and do all of these things and be a rock star mom and be a rock star at all of it, something's going to give somewhere. I hear it all the time when I'm when I'm talking mm-hmm. with teachers and I hear it talking with parents and I hear it uh, therapeutically, like working working in hospital settings, it's everywhere. So I'm glad you said about the whole more, 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 because sometimes when we put more, more, more out there, we we feel like we're doing more for people and fulfilling our lives, but we're actually so overwhelmed. I don't know about you, Charles, but I lost somebody very close to me and it's shifted my perspective about life and, and what is truly important. And you said, you're not going to get that time back with your own kids. No. You're not, none of us are, but that time is now past. So if we're having this conversation right now, like, what is it that you would encourage people to think about in this moment right now, as they're hearing this, that they can take a step forward and take, take something off their plate. Like, how do you you talked about giving permission. How do you do that? How do you do that and still feel like you're fulfilling your role? Well, I know there's a lot there.
1: <laughs> there it, it is. Um,
0: so, it's so heavy. I There's so much of it forming in my mind as I'm talking with you about it. So thanks for the space for that. But what are your thoughts around that?
1: So I, I think the first part of that is just giving yourself permission, right? So I, I'll be honest, I think part of what we're experiencing is this this FOMO, right, this fear of missing out. Like, if I don't do that thing, what might it result in? What What could it lead to? And as you mentioned at the onset of this, like, I was all over last year. I was at I don't know how many conferences, literally flying from one city and leaving that city to go to the next city for another conference, leaving that one, right, and just bouncing all over the place. And a a large part of that, a large driving force of that was that FOMO, right? What if this is going to be the big one? What if this is going to give me that gig? What if this is going to, like, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, right? And and I was chasing after this thing. And what I didn't realize in that process was when you, as you mentioned, something's got to give, right? So as I'm chasing after those things, what are the things that I'm not doing, right? And those were the conversations that I was having with my wife, with my daughters, right? Like, I, I can't do both. I can't. I cannot be traveling all around all these cities. And then I would even try to cheat and say, "Well, y'all come with me, right? I'll do the conference in the morning, and then we'll, we'll go." And now, now we're on vacation, and they're just like, "It's not really vacation, Dad. Like mm-hmm. that. That energy is still like, you're you're not here, right? Because you're you're. We went to New Orleans, right? I, I did the ISTE conference, right? And it was oh, like we're on the swamp ride, but you're thinking about your session tomorrow morning. <laughs> it's true, right? like yeah. And, so I think part of that is just saying, you know what, it's okay. Like figuring out what are your parameters, what are your non-negotiables, what are you okay living without? And I would create some time, right, to sit down if you're, if you're, if you're a writer, create your list, if you want to do it, whatever it might be. But ask yourself, what are all the things that I'm doing? But what are my goals and what, what do I absolutely have to do? What are my absolutes? What are my non-negotiables? And anything that falls outside of that realm, start to ask yourself. Am I okay with doing it without that thing? And I would say, again, start small. Pick one or two and say, you know what? I'm not going to do that. And then see, give it a shot and then see how you feel. My guess is going to be that as you do that, you're going to lean more and more into it. I know this year I've said, you know, I, I have a podcast. The podcast will be four years old in May. I have like almost 200 episodes out because it's every week, right? Turning them out. And I say, you know what? This this year, I'm not doing any of the summer, like period.
0: Mm-hmm. In
1: May, I'm taking a break. At the end of the school year, I'm taking a break. And so that's just one more thing that I can say, hey, you know what? I'm going to take off my plate. It'll be okay. I have plenty of backlogged episodes. We revisit some. We re some. But those three to four hours that I would take every single episode, those add up. But now I can devote that back, right? Is it, is it taking care of my home? Is it spending time with my wife? Is it spending time with the family? Is it what is it doing? Right. And so I don't know how that's going to look. Right. But that is a commitment that I've made to myself this year. And I've had to tell myself it's going to be OK. Right. Because guess what? If it doesn't work, there's always next summer. You could always resume it. Right. But giving yourself that permission to say it will be OK, you will be OK. Right. But what are those things that are non non non-essentials and get rid of one or two? Don't get rid of all. Right. But get rid of one or two. And even Charlie, I will tell you during this break when I did that, I found I had so much extra time. I was kind of like, "Well, what do, what do I do with myself?" <laughs> yeah, right? but-
0: I know you probably have a lot of thoughts. Like a lot of us who are writing books or have podcasts or working with leaders and working in districts and everything, like it's constantly on in your mind, isn't it?
1: Yeah. yeah. So how and I felt guilty. I felt guilty, like yeah. I should be doing something right now, and it was like, mm-hmm. yeah, but it's okay. Like. Yeah. And and I think it's, it's, it's that transformation. Like you will be okay. Like you'll be okay. And I, I'll be honest, like it was, it was wonderful just sitting and playing Mario party with my girls and my <laughs> grandson. And it was like, awesome. this is okay. This is okay.
0: Yeah. And they'll appreciate, they'll appreciate it so much more. So yeah. they, they could- don't
1: care about dad's books.
0: I know our kids don't care about that stuff. No. Yeah, they're like, play they hey Mario
1: know. party with me. I'm not reading your book, dad. I know.
0: They don't even know what we do. They know what you do because you're a principal, but beyond that, they're like, I don't know what you, what do you talk about? Uh, that's hilarious. How are you changing the world of education? Oh, hey, okay. Money. that. Way.
1: Uh-huh. Okay. That's nice.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, right. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to wrap this up by thinking ahead. I want you okay. to think of your future self so that leaders who are listening to this, can think of themselves in a a future self-position and you're ready to retire, you're ready to step out of your role and you look back, what is it that you want to remember about what you've done in your role?
1: So the the very first word that comes to mind can seem, I guess, counter to what I was talking about earlier, but it's it's impact, right? But I also want to think about that in the realm of, what kind of impact did I leave? Did I actually make an impact? Did I change anything about the world of ed? But also I think in doing that work, it's not just looking at that as a whole, looking at me as a person, as a leader, was I also successful as being a husband, as a father, right? As a grand. So I think a lot of times that we, we pigeonhole that and we say, well, let me look at, let me look back as a school leader, right? Or consultant or whatever, author, speaker, whatever it might be. But, but maybe taking more of a holistic look and saying, who was I as a person, right? My, my grandfather, he passed away uh, several years ago. Um, and as I was going through his things, I came across this little sheet of paper, right? That I now keep with me, but it talks about the man in the glass, right? And it talks about like this idea that you can put on the show, right? You could do all these things. You could say all the right things, do all the right things, fool everybody in the world. But at the end of the day, when you look in the mirror, are you okay with the person looking back at you? Mm. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing is that we, we like to frame ourselves in this like kind of like little space and be like, okay, cool. I've got that. But there's so much more to us. And so, you know, years from now, when I sit back and I retire and I'm sitting in my rocking chair, hopefully overlooking some beautiful bay, somewhere in a nice warm weather, my wife and I are still debating. She likes the cold. I like the warm, but <laughs> I wouldn't be able to look back on this life and say, as a whole, right? Did I have a positive impact, not just in the schools that I worked in, but was I able to shape and help my daughters get to where they wanna be, right? Did did I have that impact? Like I think back in my grandfather's impact on my life. Did I have that impact on my grandchildren, right? Was I impactful? Was I a, a good husband, right? All of those different things, when I talk about that word impact, it's not just about one aspect. And so I would encourage leaders to do that is to broaden that definition broaden your, your, your scope of who you are as a person, right. And as difficult and challenging as that might be and look at it through all of those different lenses.
0: Wow. It's good that you said that because it really is about that whole person. And then you're not leaving that part aside. Like then you truly can show up to each of those roles, feeling good about what you've done and you don't have to look back and like, Oh my gosh, I can never get that time back. I wish I would have. And and that's a big part of mental health for leaders, isn't it? Being able to feel good about what you're doing on a daily basis and, and looking back on, on that and having that perspective. So thanks for sharing that, Charles. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. Thank you for uh, allowing me to do some reflection in this space. It's, it's also therapeutic.
0: (laughs) Good. (laughs) We, We can see, we can infuse a little bit of mental health and wellness practice right into our daily practice and conversation. So I love that. It's good. So what can people look for for you in the next little while for 2024 what and what can they get from you?
1: Yeah, so um you know there there's a few things coming up uh you know keynoting a conference here in Chicago in February um doing some work with the innovative schools uh so I'll be in New York uh I just got a call they want me to be one of their pre-session featured speakers in San nice. Antonio in July so that's Great. exciting. Um, And, and, you know, I think that comes back to kind of what we're talking about, just not chasing after every little thing and saying, you know what, I'm comfortable in who I am. And I'm going to take the things and spaces where I belong. And so, um, you know, I'm not sure everything that that holds up. I'll be in North Carolina in March. So very excited for that. With me. I can't wait. With you. Yeah. And that is the very first conference. And I will be honest. I didn't apply. I didn't do anything. And I got an email one day and they're like, hey, Charles. We have this conference. We would love you to be a part of it. And when I talk about being in spaces that you are meant to be in, being in spaces that value you, Charlie, I think a lot of times we, we spend so much time trying to be in spaces that we're not meant to be, right? And we spend so much time and energy and effort and resources. And then we, we get burnt out running into this wall when there was a door open right there who was saying, please come in. We want you. We value you. We love you. Right. And it's like, had we only stepped back, we could have said, you know what, let me, let me pour back into myself by going into that space. And so that is my commitment for 2024. So it may not be as much as last year, but I guarantee you, it's going to be much more impactful and I'm going to be a much better and happier person because of it.
0: Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad for you. And then the people you will impact and will continue impacting. I'm excited for your future, Charles. That's great. Okay Thank so you. let's talk- I look
1: forward to hanging out with you in North Carolina.
0: I know I know there's a great group of us actually and yeah. that um, the team part is great. It really is a one of those conferences guys what we're talking about is the Charlotte conference um, go to if you're on anywhere on social media and you put that hashtag NCMLE ignite. No, it's Inspire this year. Last year was Ignite. It's Inspire 2024 conference. Sorry. Um, Go there. Check it out. And if you're in the area at all, close enough to drive or get to North Carolina, you really want to be there because the group of us together is what makes it so solid. We're all in it together, truly. And then the attendees, that's a huge conference. It's great. It's really, it's a neat area too. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about that. But I do want people to know where they can find you because when you do your consulting services, that makes an impact. Where can they go?
1: Yeah, so the the best place to connect is uh, via Twitter, um, underscore CW Consulting. Uh, That is my handle across all the socials, I will be honest. I have no idea really how to operate Instagram. I'm trying to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I even have a TikTok with that say there's nothing on there because I I am still figuring those things My my daughters like to laugh at me for those spaces, <laughs> but very active on Twitter. So if you want to connect there, and that'll also can give you to my link tree so you'll have access to the website, the YouTube channel, all of the different spaces where you can find me. But I would I would love to to help you get to those spaces. I think the work that I'm doing within my own personal life, within my own school, right, is transformative. And so I would love to help other school leaders and other spaces to do this work because not many people are doing it, right? More people are coming in and it's that more, 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 and I'm telling you it's okay to do less. So uh, if hmm. you want to connect, let me know.
0: I love it. That is fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Charles, for being here. And you all, you really need to reach out to him and come check us out at that conference. I cannot wait to be there. Thank you for being here, Charles.
1: Thank you, Charles.